Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. As we get out the Christmas lights, ornaments, and tinsel to decorate our homes, many of us are relieved that Christmas will feel a bit more normal this year. As we prepare to gather with friends and family to celebrate the birth of Jesus, let us prepare in mind, body, spirit, and space by decking the halls and our lives with what matters most, the hope peace, joy, and love of God. In the midst of doubt, fear, and uncertainty, God provides hope. In this message of the week from November 28th, Pastor Jen Tyler shares from the book of Isaiah and the excitement of the coming King. It talks about how we are to be a hopeful people in this season of Advent as we prepare for the coming of Christ. Here is the First Church message of the week. I appreciate that as that song played, I saw many of you dancing in your pew. It's hard sometimes to hear songs of hope and of joy and of the Christmas season without also feeling a bit of joy, isn't it? And part of that joy is a bringer of hope for many of us, for me for sure. And so we're going to talk a little more about that, building on what Pastor Abigail had to offer this morning as we start off our new sermon series titled Deck the Halls. Uh, Throughout Advent, which is the four Sundays that lead us up until Christmas, We are going to talk about the gift of what it means to deck the halls, not just in physical ways, but in spiritual ways as well. And we're going to do this in part because, well, the truth is in these several weeks that lead up to Christmas, there's a lot going on in most of our lives, right? And if you are anything like me or pretty much anyone I've ever talked to, the truth is these weeks leading up to Christmas can be a bit of a hustle and bustle. There's lots of shopping and we're stressing about things like Christmas gifts or preparing for uh, family coming or maybe you're traveling or uh, maybe you are just really excited to gather with people in a way you couldn't last year especially. This time about Advent though, a lot of those things can bring stress and my hope is that at least for this time that we are together for worship in this season that draws us towards Christmas, that we would able to be that we would be able to focus on more than the things these stress can bring. Because Advent is supposed to be a time that's set aside to prepare us, to anticipate the coming of Christ that helps us to bring light into darkness and hope into a world that needs it. And so as we jump into this new series today, I want to invite you to pray with me. Won't you let us pray? Lord God, we ask that in this time together, you would open our ears anew as we seek to hear your voice, that you would fill us with your hope as we open our eyes to see you and signs of you clearly all around us. Open our hearts, oh God, that we might seek to love you more deeply as you rid us from all distraction so that everything that we see and we hear and we know and we feel and we speak are of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray together. Amen. 
So as I've said, part of the reason, um, well, I didn't say this. I will first tell you that Advent is my favorite season of the church year. Uh, today, I will say Happy New Year. Today is the first day of the church calendar. And so we celebrate new beginnings as we have this opportunity to reset, to anticipate not only the coming of Jesus in the Christ child, but also, I hope, as with all new years, to anticipate all that God is doing and will do in our years in the time to come. And one of my favorite things about Advent happening when it does is that it happens in the midst of darkness. Darkness is all around us. And I mean this literally, right? Literally, we know that at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, as we draw towards Christmas, the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter as the sun rises later and sets earlier. And pretty soon we will all be going, if you're not already, to work in the dark and coming home and the dark. And it feels like we're living in a time of literal darkness all the time, especially if you work in a place without windows, right? Darkness is all around us, literally, but also figuratively, too. Because we know that as many of us are preparing to gather or to celebrate or to have holiday parties, we are doing that in the midst of both wanting to celebrate and holding that intention with some of the hard things, like we cannot draw near to Christmas without remembering and maybe saving space for grief because we know that not everyone we love can be with us. Now, there are a lot of kinds of darkness in the world around us. The kinds that remind us, too, of things like how people are struggling. One of the things I appreciate about how we we live into this season of preparation is that we also prepare by trying to share and bless and gift to those around us. That's why we have things like our angel tree in the back corner where we are invited to think about other people and other families who, as Pastor Abigail talks about getting those gifts that we can't wait to open on Christmas, we have an angel tree because it reminds us we are invited to share some of those gifts we have with other people around us too. It is a good time to be generous and I don't know a person who doesn't celebrate any excuse to live into generosity more and more around us. Now, there are lots of other kinds of struggles that go unnamed today because perhaps some of them are out of sight or out of mind. We could go on and on naming some of those. One that I am mindful of this week is I used to be a part of the United Methodist Task Force on HIV and AIDS. It's a global organization. And April, on December 1st every year is World AIDS Day. And so every year as Advent begins, drawing near to December 1st, I think of the millions of people struggling with HIV and AIDS. Or today in 2021, the thing that won't go away, we know that millions of people around the world have died or are currently sick with COVID. The thing that we are tired of talking about and hearing about, even as we know that a new variant was discovered in the last week. I think not only of those who are ill, but of our nurses and our doctors and our caretakers and all who are working so hard to keep on top of this virus. 
all around us, not even remotely limited to these examples, we know that people are struggling, that life is hard. Yet we also know that here in this season of darkness, as we look towards light, as we look to find reasons to celebrate in what we call the most wonderful time of the year, the truth is having wonderful things around us doesn't miraculously make all those hard things go away, though, does it? That's why this year we're talking about decking the halls, not just in literal ways, although I do love the literal decorations around us, but also by decking the halls with the gifts that Advent brings of hope and peace and joy and love. I love the way that we can do that in large and small ways, in literal and figurative way. Isn't it amazing how simple things like the garland around us can really transform this space? It really helps me to get into the Christmas spirit. That's why we deck the halls in literal ways, but we also know that we are invited to do that in spiritual ways. Now, today, the first Sunday of Advent is traditionally a day that we talk about doing that with the gift of hope as we lit the hope candle in our wreath today. And the truth is, I think we start with hope for all sorts of traditional and theological reasons we could get into, but really, I think we start with hope because I've never met a person who couldn't use a little more hope in our lives, right? Not that we are hopeless, but we want to be more hope-filled. I think that's true of all of us today. And it has been true for people of earth for hundreds, and I would argue thousands of years. The people of Israel specifically, on whom we build our foundation of faith, this was true for them too. And I'm going to read a snippet from the Old Testament of their story as found in Isaiah chapter 9. And for a little context, they were definitely a people who needed more hope in the time that this was written. This was written for them in a time that I might call one of the most challenging and difficult throughout their history and their lives. As a nation of Israel, they were in a really tough spot. I could go into lots of the history that I think is very interesting, and you may or may not, but the short version is the nearby empire, the Assyrian Empire, well, they were under threat from them. And there were other challenges, like they had their own leadership of their nation that wasn't proving to be consistent or reliable, to say the least. And so as their own human leaders came and went without it ever feeling like they were helping the people that they were there to serve, the people were, well, they were in need of hope. Now, I know that none of that sounds familiar at all to our current world and situation, right? But for the people of Israel, they found hope when they trusted in the promises of God. One of these promises is written in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. It reads, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. 
As on the day of Midian, you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor. Because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned, fuel for the fire. A child is born to us. A son is given to us and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. Here ends our reading. The words in this passage from beginning to end offer us quite a lot. They are words that we often look to or point towards in this time of year as we prepare for Christmas because these are words of promise and of hope. And they remind us that not only is God with us, but also it reminds us that, well, for the people of Israel who were living through such difficult times, some of which were named, did you hear that struggle in those between verses? Where it goes from promising light to describing ongoing struggle and battle and conflict to again returning to a promise. Those promises remind us that in all things, no matter what comes, we can trust that hope is forthcoming. And it isn't just coming, it is coming in unexpected ways, in an unexpected time, in unexpected places. It's going to come, it assures us, through a child that is born. Now, I know that we know this story, we trust in this story, we find hope in this story, but it's a weird story. Who finds hope for the salvation of the world in an infant? But here, when we hear this story through our lens of knowing what the Christ child means for all of the world by being born to Mary, well, we know what this has looked like and meant for the world for the past couple of thousands of years. But I hope we can also remember that it is not even close to what they likely expected then. And that is part of the gift. Because sometimes the greatest hope of all comes in the unexpected. The first verse of the passage that I read, Isaiah 9-2, tells us that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has dawned. Now, can you imagine that in a literal way? If you were living in a pitch-dark land, and we already kind of described that some of us feel like that some days, right? We're used to going to work in the morning in the dark and coming home in the dark. And what if suddenly, in the middle of December, that changed for you? What if suddenly on your drive home at 7 p.m. where it's pitch dark and the moon is this tiny little thing in the sky hidden behind clouds and all of a sudden the light dawns around you? Would that freak anybody out a little bit? Now, in this passage, of course, they weren't talking about a literal kind of light in this way, but the metaphor that it offers, I mean, it's kind of hard not to miss and imagine, isn't it? The light 
coming forth in the midst of darkness is never in the forms we expect, but it is a sign of hope. And as we look for those signs of hope around us this season and always, I want to invite you to do that in literal ways. So today, let's start right now. If I want to invite you to just look around, to kind of soak in some of what you see around us, and to consider where do you see light? Because some of the places that we see the light around us that are there to offer us hope and to remind us of the gift of the season, they come forth in ways that we kind of, well, some are unexpected and some we're just kind of used to seeing, right? What would it have felt like if we walked in the sanctuary this morning to gather for a time of worship and there were no lights on? I thought about having Pastor Abigail sneak out during the sermon and flushing them off as I said that. And then maybe we'd have joked and thought it was an act of God, right? Sometimes we get to be facilitators of hope in our midst. But there are also other metaphorical kind of lights around us. But as I look around, I see not just the lights in the ceiling, but I love that there are lights to my left in the advent wreath and to my right on the flickering candles on the screen. There are lights behind me in the trees and behind you on the trees. All around us this season, whether it's in our trees that we decorate or the lights, some of which have a lot of lights on them and the houses in our neighborhood, I love going for walks in the dark in this season where you can take pick. You know, I have a neighbor down the street who even syncs their Christmas lights to music and I think, wow. Right? I know that it's a $100 kit you bought at Lowe's or whatever, but it feels a little miraculous, doesn't it? All around us, we are surrounded by these lights. And our scripture in Isaiah today reminds us that even as awestruck as we might be by some of these lights we go to see or to do our drive-through by in the winter time and in the darkness, these are just lights. But when Jesus comes to us, Jesus is not just any light. Jesus is a great light. The very same light that is represented here in our candles. That's why we light them every week before worship. It is the very same light that we are mindful of drawing near to, towards as we draw towards Christmas. The same bright light represented in the stars as we think of the shepherds following the light to Jesus. The great light of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is with us all the time, but in this season especially, it is all around us as we deck the halls in our lives with reminders of it. But these reminders that are beautiful are a lot more than that too, aren't they? Because these lights are meant to be reminders that our God called here in Isaiah, our wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. That very same God who comes to us in the form of a child is here all around us, decking our halls with that grace-filled, inescapable light of Jesus that surrounds us. And so for me, these twinkling lights that we see, well, they are signs of hope as we are reminded that darkness doesn't ever get to win. 
this time of year, especially my favorite example of light in the darkness comes in Christmas trees, right? We know that the days are long, that the days are dark, but I love when I do get home in the evening on those dark evenings and my lights are off in the house and I walk in and the only light still on in my house is the Christmas tree. And I'll tell you more evenings than not, once the tree is up and the lights are on their appropriate timer, my favorite thing to do is to slip my shoes and my jacket off and to just sit in the dark and to let the lights twinkle, to reflect on the peacefulness and the hope and the joy of this season, and to sit in the darkness surrounded by these twinkling lights because I know that these lights are doing their part to overcome darkness and to bring forth reminders of hope. Because even when life is hard or when darkness swells, we can have hope. And we know that we can have hope because Jesus is with us. And in the moments when it feels like that's far away, we just have to turn and look to the cross surrounded by these twinkling lights to be reminded that Jesus wasn't born in a peaceful or easy time. And it's okay if our lives don't feel peaceful or easy either, because Jesus was born in a time of conflict when the world was surrounded by darkness and by violence and by oppression. And it is in the hardest of times that God wants to come to us again and again and again to assure us that we are never alone. That was true when Jesus first came over 2,000 years ago, and it's true for us today in literal and metaphorical ways. One of the, I heard a story recently that I want to share with you about a young woman who experienced this on Christmas Eve a few years ago. Her name is Cassie Lynch, and she wrote a bit of a testimonial that I came across as she reflected on a dark and a difficult time in her life. You see, Cassie was the daughter of a pastor who had hit a tough time in his life. He was struggling with addiction and had been asked for a time to step away from his church and to allow time for healing, both for himself as he healed from his addiction and for the church to have healing as that could be a really difficult time for the church. And so that meant that for them that year at Christmas, they asked him to not come to our church at Christmas to give space for the folks who were leading the service. But while they asked the pastor and his wife not to come, they weren't specific about the family. And so Cassie was like, well, I'm pretty committed to tradition. And so just because my parents aren't going doesn't mean I'm not going to. And so she resolved to go by herself. Given it was Christmas, she got there and families all around her were there to celebrate as we do. Christmas Eve can be a joy-filled time for many of us. And yet Cassie attended under the weight of uncertainty and the fear of what she suspected was going to be a long road with her father as he healed. Heavy burdens to bear as she found her usual spot in the front pew, a spot, mind you, that somehow miraculously was open to sit in the front pew in a church. And you can laugh at that, it was a joke. And yet as Cassie sat there in her usual spot, as those first carols of Christmas Eve rang out, she didn't find herself feeling celebratory and joy-filled. 
Instead, she found that her tears began to fall as she realized she felt like an imposter, as a cloud of grief who sat amidst this cheerful celebration, she felt guilty for dampening other people's time of rejoicing. And so she sat there, she found herself praying to Jesus, doing the only thing she knew how, as she apologized even to him and said, I am sorry, Jesus, for ruining your party. And yet it was in that moment that she heard a response from Jesus. And that response changed her experience of Christmas forever. As she felt Jesus saying to her, Cassie, I came to that manger as a baby, not for those already in celebration, but for those in mourning. I come for a world that is hurting and that is broken. I come for you and in this moment, right here and right now. I come to meet you where you are. And for the first time in Cassie's otherwise relatively easy life, she had this taste of heartache within her as she realized that amidst all of her complicated emotions and struggles, Jesus was there to show her the heart of Christmas as Jesus stepped down to pursue the broken and the hurting and the loss. And so Cassie wrote in her reflection for all who would hear this day, she and I would want you to know that if this day or this week or this month or this year, you have been feeling broken down or isolated or tired or fearful or hurting, may you know that you don't have to muster up some false kind of cheer this season, but you also don't have to feel like a downer in the midst of celebrations because you are invited just as you are to draw near, to come and sit at the feet of our Savior who came to meet you right where you are. Because that is how Emmanuel works. Emmanuel that we call upon as our Savior literally means God with us. God is with us in the midst of all that may come. And he's with us that that might bring you hope, even and perhaps especially when we're facing despair. And so this year, as we deck our halls, as we surround ourselves with decorations and celebrations and lights in the darkness, may we let the gift of this season be just that, to be a gift as we remember that the people walking in a darkness have seen a great light. Friends, those who walk in darkness will be met with light. Today, as we enter this new season that we call Advent, a season that invites us to draw near to the hope of Christ that is around us always, but now especially, May you cling to this promise and this assurance that no matter what has been, no matter what is, no matter what will be, we can have hope because we know that Jesus came for each and every one of us. 
And this Christmas, Jesus comes to you anew. And so as we prepare to celebrate the arrival of Christ our King, may we have hope because we know that Jesus comes for you and Jesus comes for me. And he comes to meet us wherever we are to assure us that Emmanuel, God with us, will never leave you isolated or alone. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God of hope, God who is our abundant light in the darkness, God who reminds us that you are with us always. As you draw near to us this day, this season, and always, may you help us to meet you with open hearts and open minds as we seek to live into the gift of your hope that meets us where we are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.